This share is sponsored by the Roth family. Le'ilui Nishmas HaRav Avram Ben Rav David HaKoyen. Welcome to the Shurim of Rabbi Yosef Weiner. At the conclusion of the recording, please listen for ordering information of other tapes, CDs, and videos. We spoke last week about Rabbi Yaka's example about Das Torah. How you have to be very careful to assume that you don't know everything and to assume that there are people bigger than you who understand how to interpret things and understand what to do in certain situations, and that the average person in the street doesn't know, you have to leave it for the G'daylum. And I had a discussion with a number of people after the shir. Nachman was here uh, when you talked about uh, how do we address the issue which some people raise. Raise the Shaila, why is it the G'daylum didn't tell people to leave Europe before the Holocaust? The Shaila is... A shayla, if you went through it or know somebody goes through it, so any shayla like that is very sensitive, whatever you say. But I would like to address it, because I will address not only that detailed shayla, but you have to address where does Das Torah fit in, what is Das Torah in part of our Masera. And if you understand what the whole subject is all about, you wouldn't even ask such a shayla. Let me begin with a Gemara and Gittin. This is something which you have to, this is a shir you have to know well, Azdam al you will be asked, Shailas, about Das Torah, and you have to know what the answer. And if you're not clear on, ultimately this will come out in tape sooner or later, if you're not clear, either ask me afterwards or chazer it a lot, because if you mess this up and you say it over wrong, you could do more damage. Because you have to know the difference between Lahavdalos, Abdullahs, where Das Torah is, and what papal and fallacy isn't. And they have no Shaykhs to each other. Okay, I don't even want to say them in the same paragraph, but uh, this is not going to be a drasha how anybody's infallible. There's nothing to do with that. And again, if you think that Das Torah is about being infallible, again, you don't know what Das Torah is. So with all these disclaimers, let me just get to what Das Torah is. Gemara and Gittinav, Nun Vav, If you all know this Gemara, at least you've seen it, because most of the time on Tisha B'Av you chazer this. This is an excerpt from the famous Tisha B'Av Gemara that deals with the Chorban. And we're going to read it a little slower, because there are some very important diukim in this Gemara. We're now in Yushalayim. Yushalayim is under siege. And as we know, there are a number of groups in Yushalayim with different deists, different political deists. Let me divide them into two groups because within the second group, they had three different factions. The first group were the Chachamim, the Gedalim, Das Torah, and those who wanted to follow Das Torah. Then in the second group, people who were basically they held themselves to be from, but we're not very from, as we will show. And they decided they knew it was best for Klai Yisrael. And they decided that the nationalistic, courageous thing to do would be to fight the Romans, even though it's absolutely absurd. Absurd beyond belief. But they talked it into themselves that, well, we had an ace Hanukkah. It was also absurd. And Hanukkah worked, so it's going to work now. Little did they know, Hanukkah, the people that were fighting were Hiligat Sadiqim, and they were Das Terah, and the people over here were either half off the derech or three-quarters off the derech. Uh, basically, uh, type of people you see from the mob, gangsters and the like. And uh, they had control of Yishlaim. They had fighting between themselves. There were a few different groups. What they should do, they were killing each other and killing everybody else who looked at them cross-eyed, killing anybody who also wanted to make peace. And they were killing more Jews at the beginning of the war than they were Romans. And if, if this sounds shocking to anybody, by the way, you must spend Tishabov learning about what Tishabov is really about, what caused the Chorban. Everybody mouths the word Sinaschinim. You have to know what Sinaschinim they're referring to. And part of the sin of I'm not blaming it all on their Bionim and their Sakrikim and all these gangsters. There were other problems too. But this is an extreme example where people had their own ideas how to do things and anybody who didn't agree with them got killed or got choked to death 
or got the, their throat slit or something drastic like that. All this is documented. There are many, many good history books written by good, good authors with good hushkafas and good sources. And it's absolutely horrific what was going on there. The tragedy was more what was going on with the Jews than what the Romans did to the Jews later, which wasn't too pleasant either. There were these three groups pitted against the Hamanam, which were most of the time took the sides of the Chachamim in general. In the time of Bayesheni, there were many, many who considered themselves Sadukim. Josephus himself, who was no great friend of the Rabbanim, admitted, it's unclear whether he called himself a Pharisee or not. Sometimes he held he was a he was Naprushim, sometimes he acted like he wasn't. So we'll leave Josephus out of this. But he described, that's not how to read Josephus. Josephus can be very unreliable, but he can be a very valuable source. Also, you have to know how to read him. You have to know where he exploits the situation, where he exaggerates. There's an art in reading Josephus. You have to know history very well. and You have to know where the Gemaras treat him, where Rashi brings him down. It's, it's a first year by itself. But there is a way to read Josephus. There is some valuable information there. You have to just know what you're taking. Uh, he describes that, uh, as the Gemara does, that there were these factions. And the clear consensus of opinion of the Hamanam were always, it doesn't speak specifically about the Chorban period, he says in general, when you had a Machlis and Sadukim and a Prussian, the Prussian were the Chachamim, Sadukim were the Sadukim, those who claimed they only accept Tarish Shabbat that was all a facade just to give them the license to do whatever they want by rejecting Das Tarim, rejecting Tarish Shabbat, rejecting the Chachamim. So the statement made by Josephus is that in general the Prussian were on the side, the masses were on the side of the Prussian, the Prussian were made up of the masses and the Gedolim. And the wealthier class, unfortunately, made the Mekainim, what they called the quote-unquote aristocracy, because they had money and they had closer ties to the Romans, they got influenced and became more assimilated. I'm, I'm doing an injustice. I'm trying to give you a concise uh, history of 400 years of, uh, of uh, a slippery slope, but just to get an idea. So now in Yushalayim, you had these groups, you had these uh, nationalists, you had these Bayanim, you had these gangsters, you have uh, these people who felt they were doing L'Shem Shemayim, these people who knew they weren't doing L'Shem Shemayim, but hid behind the facade of being L'Shem Shemayim. And then you had Rabbi Yochamazaka, the God Lador, in Yushalayim with other Chachamim, and you had the Hamanam who was suffering. One more point you have to add, keep in mind the Gemara says that uh, the three Gevirim were all from, had stockpiled Yushalayim enough for decades of siege, and Yushalayim would never have fallen. And uh, these uh, Sakrik and these Beryanim decided that it was more courageous to go fight the Roman. And to press the point, they burned down all the storehouses. They figured if they do that, then everybody has to fight because there's nothing to eat. Meanwhile, well, everybody's relaxed, there's plenty of food. Romans aren't going anywhere. We're not going anywhere, and we can outlive them and get bored after a while, which probably would have happened. And they decided, no, anybody could do that. There's a mitzvah to go fight the Romans. Ludicrous. But that's what they did. They burned it down. So at this point, the hunger is setting in, and the city is dying. And those who aren't dying of hunger are getting killed by the Bionim who are in charge. Pretty messy scene. With that backdrop, the Gemara tells you that Abba Sikra was one of the heads, or the head, of the Bionim in Yushalayim. And as fate would have it, I would call it providence, because this is good news, sort of, he was the nephew of, believe it or not, Rabbi Yechonim ben Zakkai. Every family has some skeletons in the closet. So nope. Uh, his sister was probably very from the, the kids sometimes, you know, under the communists, uh, there were many, many, many from people whose kids became communists. So his nephew was the head of the Bayanim. You'll see that he was still Rabbi Yechamazaka's nephew. He still had a heart. A yid's a yid, many situations. Shalach lay sent him a very top secret message. Because if he didn't send him a top secret message, they would have, believe it or not, attacked Rabbi Yechamazaka and accused him of treason. 
everybody who they had any slech shash was interested in making peace was a traitor in their eyes, even though they were 100% right. So he sent him a message, come to me secretly, I don't want to get you killed either. Come to me secretly, I want to talk to you about the situation. Also, he came. Already one point in his direction. He had some covered for his uncle. How long are you going to strangle us and hold us captive here and kill all the residents of Yishalayim in hunger? Don't you realize this is a futile battle? Why don't you give up? It's a suicide. my Avid, what should I do? Which means he saw that his uncle was speaking with reasoning, with Chochmah. It sounds like he sort of agreed with him at this point. Things were pretty bad at this point. He said, what can I do? If I tell this to my men, they'll kill me. That means even with their own ranks, they weren't listening to authority. Everybody's doing Isha, Yasha, Be'inov. If you figure out a way for me to get out of the city, smuggle me out. Remember, they would kill anybody who tried to leave. Maybe I could figure something on the outside and maybe I could do something to have some small Hatzalah. He didn't believe at this point you could see Yushalayim would be saved, which will play a role later. Maybe I could do something for Klai Yisrael. No. He says, give me a plan. How do you leave Yushalayim? So the first secret over here is at this point in time, nobody was leaving Yushalayim alive. The only way you're allowed to leave Yushalayim was in a coffin. And that will be the idea. So his nephew told Rabbi Yechamed Zakai, pretend you're sick. And have people visit you like you're deathly ill. And put something that is very foul smelling right next to you. The mace has to smell bad. And let them announce you died. And then your Talmidim should come and carry you out dead. Make sure it's your closest Talmidim. Make sure nobody else carries you the color lot. They shouldn't feel your light. Everybody knows that dead weight is heavier than live weight. And if somebody else carries you, somebody else lives, you're going to realize you're not dead. So the plan is pretend you're sick, pretend you died, have them carry you out, and maybe they'll let you by. When he came to the gate of Yushalayim, which means they wanted to stab the coffin to make sure the person in there was dead. Obviously the Bayanim weren't born yesterday. They figured uh, this is a good ruse to get out of the city. So maybe we'll make sure that he's dead. If he's dead, this won't hurt a bit as they always say in the dentist's chair. And if he's not dead, so now he's going to be dead, and he deserves it, Rahman al-Islam, because he's a traitor. So, so Baruch Hashem, this is part of the plan. Rabbi Yechamazaka's nephew was there. He's their general. So he said to them, he can't say to them, don't stab my uncle. So what can he say? says, Don't you have any Jewish pride? The Romans will see the coffin with a hole in it. They're going to say they stabbed their own rabbis. These people were not the epitome of uh, Das Terror followers, but they pride themselves on being very Jewish, and their whole claim, even though they were very mixed up and very, very misguided, that was the whole problem with this Gemara, but Jewish pride they had. And they said, to go stab a rabbi, it's not going to look good. It's among the Gaim, so uh, the man has a point. 
and they did not stamp the coffin. Baruch Hashem. They decided, however, let's just shake it around a little bit. Maybe some noise will emit from the coffin. Most of the time, if you shake around a coffin and some noise come out, you'd run the other way. But here they were chayshish, obviously, that uh, somebody might be alive. So they wanted to push the coffin. He said the same thing. They're going to say they pushed their rabbis. Push the rabbis around. They don't want to say that, at least after they're dead. Which is part of the problem over here. At this point, they said, okay, okay, we're not going to stab, we're not going to push, nothing. They opened the gate, and he got out. He got to the Roman camp. He said, The ruler of Rome. For two reasons. He's talking to Vespasian, who is the commander-in-chief of the Roman legions. He said, number one, I'm not the emperor, I'm only the commander-in-chief. You can't just call the king. Uh, if you're not the king, it's uh, obviously dangerous for Vespasian, dangerous for him, and it's not right. On one account, you're a Marbamachas and the Melech in Rome. Listen to how he talks, he says, and by the way, it sounds good. If I'm really a king, so So you show no respect. If I'm king, you should have come before. Why didn't you come earlier? So Rabbi Yehazaka has to answer these uh, serious questions. Your first time on me that I'm calling you a king, you're not the king yet. You are the Melech. And if you're not now, you will find out that you are very shortly. Why? Yushalayim would not fall to a commoner, as powerful as you are as commander-in-chief. If you're not the king, Yushalayim can't fall. Now it looks like Yushalayim is about to fall. Obviously, you are becoming king, the emperor of the entire Roman Empire. Which means it has to fall into Adir in Adir Adir Mimenu. So you must be king, and it obviously happened, you just don't know about it yet. So when it says means the Basamitish will only fall in the hands of the Supreme Ruler. Your second question, Why didn't I come earlier? I couldn't get out. They would kill me. It took me a while to figure out how to get out of the city. So he answered to Rabbi Yochanan Manzakai, Vespasian talking, If you have a barrel of honey and there's a snake on it, If the only way to get rid of the snake is to smash the whole barrel. So smash the barrel. So why don't you take apart the city, take down the wall, and we'll come in and we'll take care of them. Somebody has to take care of them. Ishtik. Rabbi Yochanan was quiet. Didn't have an answer. He was accusing him of being able to do something and not doing something. You have the masses on your side to hand them over. You'll have to destroy the city in doing so. You'll have a civil war. Something's got to be done. Rabbi Yosef, many, many generations later, Abiyasi was an Amur. Vitamer Abikiva was a Tano, but also generations later. Quoted the Pusik. Learn this Pusik well. This is an Iker Pusik for this topic. Meshiv Chachamim Ocher Vedaitam Yisakel. Which means Hashem on occasion will take the Chachma of the Chachamim and ruin it. And cause them either to give incorrect answers or not be able to answer at all. 
Hashem is talking. What should he have said? He says, Your Highness, I have a better idea. You have the armed forces. You should take a tool, like a pincer, and lift off the snake, the Kalilin, and kill the snake, the Chavisa Shafkinala. No reason to destroy the city. If I'd start a civil war from the inside, the city would be destroyed. You're powerful. You should be able to come in and get rid of them. It's not my job. As they were talking, a messenger came from Ryan and told all the assembled, get up. The Misle Kesar, the Caesar died. And the senators had a vote. And they decided, you are now the new emperor. A long distance message, which means clearly he was emperor at the time he already was talking to him during the siege. It took him a long time to get there. He was so impressed with this great rabbi. He says, why don't you ask me for something? I'm in a good mood. Didn't ask for Yushalayim. We'll get to that in a minute. He said, give me Yavneh. At least the yeshiva will survive. The Messiah will survive. We'll rejuvenate with Torah. Which in hindsight was a thousand percent correct. The question is, could he have even asked for more? This is certainly a good idea. I want you to spare the royal family. The first thing an emperor does when they win is they kill out the royal family. Says, Please spare the royal family, which is Rabbi Gamliel. And Asvasa, the Messiah, the Rabbi Tzaddik. And I need a doctor for Rabbi Tzaddik who was fasting for 40 years. And he's very sick. I need top medical attention. Again, Rabbi Yosef, and some say Rabbi Kiva make the comment. Same Pasuk. He made a big mistake. And Hashem caused him to make this mistake. That will be the key over here. What should he have said? He granted him a wish. He said, Your Highness, we apologize. These Bayanim are a pain in the neck. We don't like them. You don't like them. We'll get rid of them. Go home. Don't destroy Yushalayim. He didn't even bother asking for Yushalayim. Why didn't he ask for Yushalayim? He could have averted the Chorban. He didn't ask for the base of Midrash. He didn't ask for Yushalayim. Must be that was a terrible error and Hashem caused it. They're not attacking Rabbi Yechamazakai personally. They're just pointing out he acted foolishly and he had no choice. Kilu, his Bechir, was taken away. No, what was Rabbi Yechamazakai thinking? Even if Hashem ultimately controlled his thought pattern, what was he thinking when he didn't ask for Yishalayim? So the Gemara says, Who saw He was afraid if we'd ask for Yishalayim, but especially would get upset. That's the whole reason I'm here. What do you think I'm doing out here in 90 degree weather for all these months? I'm not giving that up. To go home for a Roman without a conquest was a tremendous bizarre. So he felt if he'd ask for that, he would get angry, and he wouldn't get the other wishes. Tafasta maruba lo tafasta, as it says in the Gemara. That's just the defense on what was going through his mind. What does this Gemara mean? This is a very important Gemara for this topic. This Gemara is telling you that there can be situations in life and there can be crucial situations in our national history where important decisions have to be made and in the initial stages of where things started falling apart, when the siege started in Yushalayim, there's still a chance to do tshuva. The fate was not sealed. And the Biyanim took over and Yochum said, this is ridiculous, we can't win, we don't have this chusim, and we don't have the military might. So without the military might and without an ace, we're not going to win. This is suicide. And they said, no, nationalism, we have to fight. We're not cowards. 
and they insisted on fighting even at forcing the issue with the other Jews, and any Jews didn't want to fight, which were the masses, were executed on the spot. And they didn't listen to Rabbi Yechamed Zaka, even though the same Gemara, with the same people, says they wouldn't dare stab their Rebbe even after he's dead, and they wouldn't even push him, it's not respectful. But to listen to the Rabbanim, this is politics, the Rabbanim belong in the best Medrash. You've heard that before. He says, what does Rabbi Yechamed Zaka know about fighting a war? He says, uh, we're generals, we know how to fight wars, and we can win against the Romans. Rabbi Yechamed Zaka said not so, and they respected him. Haraya. They let him get out of the city and they didn't want anybody to say they were disrespectful of the Leviathan. But to respect his opinion and understand that Das Torah covers all areas, that they didn't know about. So they pushed the war and pushed and pushed and pushed until it was beyond repair. And Rabbi Yochamazaki understood at this point it was beyond repair. And therefore he felt that he shouldn't have to be Shalayim. And the Gemara here says that even if Klape Shamaya Galia Vespasian might have said yes that he has to be Shalayim, Hashem made sure that he wouldn't have to be Shalayim. Which means, even if it was a mistake, the mistake was caused by Kosh Baruch, which means Hashem withdrew the Siat Tashmaya from the decision-making of the Gedolim at that time to ask for Yishalayim. We'll never know which is the correct shot. The Gemara says it's possible he couldn't have asked. And the Gemara is pointing out, even if he could have, like Rabbi Yisim and Rabbi Kiva held, they held he could have, and perhaps he should have, but it wasn't his fault because Hashem caused him to make the wrong decision. Which means, the side number one from this Gemara is that we don't believe in papal infallibility. It's ridiculous. A boss of Adam can make a mistake. We do believe we have a Messiah that says that you have to go with Das Terah in every realm. Hashkafa, Halacha, politics, running Klai Yisrael. Ah, it's possible they can make a mistake. The answer is, the Gemara here says Bavarish. That Rabbi Kiva held he made a mistake. What does Rabbi Kiva say? He made a mistake, so therefore we can't follow the other one because maybe he made a mistake the first time he caused the Chorban. The answer is, that's not what Rabbi Kiva is saying. Rabbi Kiva is saying, he quotes a Pesach, he didn't stop saying he made a mistake. He said, Hashem caused him to make a mistake by taking away his Siat Tashmai, his Ruch HaKadosh, whatever you want to call it. His intelligence. Daitam Yisakel. Yisakel means he made his Das foolish. The answer is, this Gemara is telling you, Rabbi Kiva is giving us this Yisakel, that you have to follow Das Torah, right? you have to follow Al-Filu, Al-Yaminshu, small means, that even though you think they have no day on this matter, or you think they're making a grave mistake, you have to follow anyway, and you're in good hands, because if he's right, he's right. And if he's wrong, Hashem will not let it happen, certainly when it comes to an important national decision for Klai Yisrael, if it's not supposed to happen. The Chorban at that point, in terms of the fate of the Beis HaMetish line, was sealed. So Hashem said, this is going to happen, because I want it to happen. I'm not going to let the Gedolim make the right decisions here. Now, hold the questions till later you're going to start to understand as we continue along this year what this has to do with the Holocaust. If you haven't figured it out yet, but we will uh, get to it later on, either this week or next week. But the site is here in this Gemara. Now, if you look at your photocopy, there are many nice pieces written on Das Terror. I hold that this, Abdesla doesn't need our Askama, but I hold that this is a classic. And the title is Mikta Bidvar Emunas Chachamim. This little shtickle which you have on Amun Aleph and Amun Beis is about this very question. And uh, Rav Dessler, we've had many times in this year, we had Rav Dessler last night, needs no introduction. Uh, he takes the sugya in just two pages and gives you the entire sugya from beginning to end. I will read through most of it and I will give commentary as we go along. And you'll see that this has a direct bearing on the entire Yisoyed, the entire lesson of Perm. So, Davar Be'itoy Matoyv Let's start with the second paragraph on the page that starts Mikhta Bidvar Amunas Chachamim. First paragraph is the uh, introduction. 
And he's writing a letter to a chaver who had some shailahs about Das Tehran. When we do follow, can we ever not follow? How important is it? Who's entitled to it? And he's going to address it. This is one of these shirim that it's kedai to chazer over. When you get the tape, put it in your car and chazer over five times. Because a lot of people are mafakfik on these in Yana because they don't know what Kiyu's there about it. And they have kashas, the Holocaust, and the Hordman, and this and that. And if they know the proper hashkafa and the proper chazals, like in every topic, and they'll understand what's going on. If they don't, then they're going to be in the dark, and then many people have many tainas. Kaitam kol, second paragraph. Kaitam kol, davar aymelamar. Before we start, I'd like to tell you, he's talking here from personal experience. I saw, I met some of these Gainim. He mentioned in the previous paragraph of Chaim Brisker, Rabbar Ber, and Chavetz Chaim. I saw these Gedalim. I was present at meetings of these Gedalim. Kemal Chavetz Chaim, Agan of Chaim Ibrisk, Agan of Chaim Eizel I will tell you with assurity. Even with people with small brains like us, like us, nice of him to include himself. Abdesler is not exactly somebody with a small brain, not even mid-size. It was extra large. But uh, again, speaking about Eve, even for smaller people like us, their genius was incredible. I watched them in action. It's hard to fathom their thought pattern. Their depth of understanding was incredible. The first thing you have to know before we talk about Masaira and Das and we're dealing with the geniuses and the genius of Klai Yisrael. And we're dealing with people who have a great, greater understanding in any topic that we can ever hope to have. And if there's any particular area where they don't have the information, they would ask. A rov gets a shayla. And he has a shayla that involves something in a law firm, something medical. Something. So if you don't know what the facts are, you obviously have to investigate. Gedalim would never pass in a shayla unless they had privy to the information and whatever information they were privy to, they investigated. That's beyond the shadow of a doubt. But he's not talking about it. He's assuming that they're setting down to meetings where they knew what the topic is about. They just had to make decisions for Klai Yisrael. Sharam Asif Asem. you ever witness a meeting, when they sat and they delved into the topic L'Shem Shamayim, that's a key over here. Brilliance does not help too much. I know a lot of brilliant people. That doesn't mean you have Das Terror. Brilliance is a start. You have to be holding Rosh Rubo and learning for your entire life. You have to be saturated with Torah or else you can't acquire Das Terror. And you can have those two and still fall in. You have to have total Yerushalayim to do everything L'shma for Klai Yisrael. You have to realize the achrayas you have in making decisions for other Yidin. Which is a tremendous achrayas. Hayahamara Nera, the, the picture, the scene that I witnessed is awesome. Liras, as Gaidol v'aymer kagashas ha'achrayas ha'hisa panem. You would see the tremendous seriousness which they took every topic they discussed. You didn't see this, you don't know what responsibility is. And if you were to witness this, and you would see, what's yet the Shmaya they were Zechatu. 
Unlike many of the meetings that you would go to, where everybody's interested in speaking up at the meeting just for their own coven. A friend of mine once went to a meeting at a town hall. It was in a smaller city. It wasn't a, not uh, casting aspersions on any city council meetings here in this great city of ours. And he said it was a pella. They went to discuss. There were two or three items in the agenda. And the whole meeting was a three-hour meeting. The whole meeting is every single person who spoke up. He spoke up and he said, Okay, second, Mr. Secretary, get this down and spell my name right. And then he would say his brilliance. And he said, And you got that? You got that quote? That was me. Don't mix it up with this yo-yo over there. The whole meeting, each guy would just, it was a, the whole thing was covered from beginning to end. So that, that's the meeting we're used to seeing. Either that or you're at a board meeting in a corporate setting and the meeting is decided before you come in. And only a couple of people have a day. Those are the meetings we're used to. This is very much unlike that. He's talking to his chavr. As Divir Abachanan, Shlita, he says Shlita over here. Imagine this letter was written before Abachanan was killed by the Nazis. It was written in the late 1930s. Masha Mesaper, Migvurus, Rabba Achavaz Chaim. And Taka, if you ever see a description of the way Abachanan speaks to the Chavaz Chaim, you think Rabachanan is his little Talmud who just watched Abachanan was Rabachanan. The way he speaks of his Rabbi the Chavaz Chaim, it's Ayin Venayra. We small people, which means, which is a very important word for this essay, is we think that we see things in reality that contradict Das Torah. And we can't synthesize the two. He said, this Godel says something, and it doesn't look like this is what the decision is supposed to be for the circumstances at hand. He says, that's where you follow Das Torah. Let me add, in my own words, if you're following Das Torah when you understand what's going on, you're not following Das Torah, you're following your own understanding. The Nisayan <laughs> only comes when you're following a decision of somebody who you respect and you know as Das Torah and you don't understand what he's talking about. Otherwise, you're following yourself. That's what he's discussing over here. He says, even though you think you see Bukhush otherwise. yamin. <laughs> That's sarcastic. He says, uh, we can't, we don't have the right to recklessly say that obviously this one time they're making a mistake because I disagree with them. Let me add, if you know Beferish, that it's wrong, not that you think it's wrong, you know it's wrong, that you do not follow authority in error. There is a whole Masechta Shas about that, it's called Masechta Hurrius. Where the first minister talks about based in making a mistake and what you have to do, which kabbonis you bring. I don't know if it ever happened in the history of the world where they made a mistake about something involving a chivik curse, but it could happen. There's a masechta about it. So what do you do with afila and All the answer is when you're convinced they're wrong because your training or lack thereof tells you decision should be X and they're saying Y, you follow afila and small. But if they say there's no more avera called avodah then you don't follow authority and error. That's the difference in Yiddishkeit and other religions. That's the beauty of Yiddishkeit. We can never go off the derech. Not all of us, because even if you have a leader who is a respected leader and he goes off a derech and he's relying on his previous reputation, we don't follow him anymore. It has happened. Rare, but it has happened. Shabtai Tzvi, who got his reputation through trickery, but had quite a reputation, so when he started going off, people said, it's only in Isayim, and it's the two fright from the Shiach, and even looks like he converted to Islam, but really he's on our side. The answer is, that can't happen to a Maimon who knows the basic rules. He can't follow authority and error. 
This is not fo- about a following authority in error. This is about a following authority that you think is an error, but you don't have any concrete rayas. That is where you apply a filo argument to small. Ela next page. You have to assume that you are nothing compared to their clear thinking. And that's the key. The Siyat comes with the Yerush and the sense of Achrayis. When they make a Gzeira, a later Chazal in a later generation cannot be Mavatal the earlier Gzeira, even though they think they know what they're doing, unless they're bigger, which doesn't happen when you read the Zadaris. <coughs> Again, what you think you see, which means it's a menagerie. It's nothing compared to the MS. You think that you're seeing clearly and you don't have Das Terah. Now, he's going to bring a Raya. And he quotes, he heard this from his father, he heard from his Rebbe, go the next line. Megillus Esther, Hiroshima's Maisim Shaltesha Shanam. This is crucial to a basic understanding of Perm. If you don't know this next plot, you never learned anything about Perm. Besides Hamatash and Shalchmaz, it is a good start. But this is the main theme of Perm, what he's about to say. The story of Perm happened over a span of nine years. Mishnas Shalush Lamalchus Achashverish Achnas Yudbez. The third year to the twelfth year. We, had we been there, never would have realized that the entire story was one story. Over nine years? To connect the beginning of the story to the end of the story? And there were many, many people who Taka thought that was absolutely not connected, as he will show you in a minute. Rak Mordechai, only Mordechai, from the G'dayli Adar, Shebetzir, Ruach HaKodesh, B'madrege, Shaloi. He understood that the opening Pasuk of the Megillah that happened nine years before Haman's Gezerah, which is the main plot, were totally Zebazet. That's why the Megillah has them both. Otherwise, it would have left out the beginning. Start with the main plot of the Gezerah. Obviously, the reason it's here is because they are very much tied in. How is it tied in? So he tells you. Mordechai told them it's usher to go to that Mishta, the Mishta that the Megillah opens up with. They didn't listen. He answered them from going and he didn't listen. Why did he answer them from going? Everybody knows this. Yeah, of course, it was usher to go. Mordechai said, don't go. And they went anyway. Why did he ask them from going? What was so bad about going? Well, before we discuss that, let's discuss why they wanted to go. They knew it wouldn't be the most kosher environment. So Nias think it wouldn't be. So why did they want to go? The reason they wanted to go is because the Medjish tells us in another place that Haman knew Chumash fairly well and he knew that the way to get Klai Yisrael in big trouble and disfavor in the eyes of HaKosh Baruch Hu is to get them involved in Znus. Benes Midjan had that trick and it worked, unfortunately. So Haman told Achashverosh, why don't you make a big party in Shushnabiru and insist that the Jews come and that they be represented like all other peoples in your kingdom. And therefore they'll have to come and they won't want to be unpatriotic. So the invitation went out and they came to Mordechai and they said, how can you ask for us from going? This is political suicide. We need a rep in the government. As a matter of fact, you're the rep. Don't you need votes behind you? If he sees we don't come, he's going to throw everybody out. He's going to kill us all. Do we have to come? Mordechai said, don't go, it's us, sir. 
said this rabbi doesn't know a thing about politics. Mishnah Buri knows very well. Politics, nothing. Telling us not to go. Sounds crazy. We not go. Every single other measure. The Christians are going. The Muslims are going. Everybody else is going. Every single lobby group is going. And we're going to stay home. So why did Mordechai not want them to go? There are a number of reasons. First of all, first and foremost, the whole purpose of the party, as you know, was to celebrate the fact that in Achashverosh's count, which was incorrect again, the 70 years of Klai Yisrael was up. There was an avua that after 70 years they would be redeemed. They built the base of and he counted 70 years incorrectly and the 70 years were up. And he's making a tremendous party to celebrate that the Yidin are never ever going to be redeemed again. They're never going to build the base of and they're mine forever. That was the whole purpose of the party. Can you imagine going to a party like that with a Chil Hashem? The whole purpose of the party was to celebrate the downfall of the Jews. And the Jews are going to come and enjoy themselves. Have a drink or two. A Chil Hashem. Now you might ask, Belshazzar, if you recall, made the same mistake miscalculation. He also had a wild party. And he also thought the 70 years were up. All of the Goyim, all the, re- all the leaders, all the rulers, the whole world was looking at this Nevoah 70 years. They were big money in these Rishon. And they said, if we get past these 70 years, Klai Yisrael's finished, Hashem forgot about them, he doesn't like them anymore, and that's it, they're sold. And Belshazzar counted 70 years, and he also threw a party, the 70 years were wrong also. And uh, he paid for it with his life. If you recall, in the middle of the night in his party, he saw writing on the wall with a hand not attached to a body. And he got very nervous and he asked uh, Daniel to come and interpret it. And Daniel said, well, your highness, it's good news and it's bad news. Good news is, is that he got some good herbs served here in the party. I don't know what good news he told him. Bad news is, it says you're finished and your kingdom is finished. And he died that night and he lost the whole kingdom. Zacharias made the same silly mistake, so why didn't he get killed? The answer is Hashem wanted him as a pawn. He kept them around for a while. Sometimes Hashem will do that. He'll keep Hashem around for different things. The party was to celebrate the end of the seven years. The Yidin just walking in there was a Chil Hashem. Number two, to drive home the point, as we know from the Megillah, he brought out the Kli Mikdash and used them. The Yidin are coming to a party and he's serving it on Kli Mikdash. He wore the big day Kain Gadol and they witnessed all this. And they felt, we don't like this either. It's terrible. Hurts us. Very painful. We gotta go because they're having a party in the White House. How do you not go? And they went. Then the Haman's agenda, the preachers, every single person who walked in got his own zaina, and they had plenty of movies and other films to go along with it. He didn't went again. I just didn't go in for these things, but uh, once they were there, it's a very difficult Nisayan. Chazal have a lashon, worked, and they, many fell in. The food wasn't that clock kosher. They didn't eat tarfas, but bishalakam, yayin akam, yayin all these were problems. But Mordechai had four or five good reasons why it's absolutely us to go, and they went anyway. How many went? You'll say a couple of people slipped in. Chazal tell us 18,000 Jews went to this party. Now those are the people just around Shushan. Okay, that's the beginning of the Megillah. He kept telling them, don't go, don't go, and they went, and when they came back, you can be sure... Couple them insinuated to Mordechai, it's a good thing we went because he was very happy the Jews came and now he's well disposed toward us and now we're going to have certain rights and now we're not going to get these kazarians against us. Now we're in good shape. Can you imagine how we not gone? We'd have no voice in the government. That settled that. So now they learned from that once in a while that's terror is wrong. Okay. Continues of Dessler. 
He says, we're going to get killed. He's going to kill us if we don't come to his party. No Jews show up. And they went. What happened? So they thought in their own minds, I don't know if they had the chutzpah to say this, but they thought in their own minds, you see, obviously Mordechai had tzaddik. It's a wonderful tzaddik, but politics he doesn't know because we went and nothing happened. It was good politically and Hashem didn't punish us. Nothing happened. So you'll say, wait, nothing happened. Nothing happened a day later. They expect to be struck by lightning. Wait, nothing happened. The answer is nothing happened a day later, a week later, a month later, a year later, two years later, three years later, four years later, five years later, six years later. And everybody's talking about, remember that Maisim six years ago? Mordechai told us not to go. Boy, what a mistake. Hashem is Kelo Chabayim, not that long. Five, six, seven, eight, nine years go by. And you fast forward, we're landing this in the Megillah at breakneck speed, so you would never figure this out. Nine years go by, and Odessa continues, Achates Shanim, in the twelfth year of his reign, Kishin is Gadol Hamam, Tziva Shakol Yishtachavaloi. Medics say everybody has to bow down. Technically, there was a heter to bow down. This is crucial information for the Megillah. He says the Chazal quote, I'll show you the Chazal later. Technically, there might have been a hetter to bow down. Elach shashrochach shamarizayin ba'am ma'mordechai felt it was marizayin. Maybe people think it's about it and he's bowing down. So he wasn't bowing down. Marizayin, marizayin is a dinder abbonon. Mordechai lo ishtachava hayaharbem Yisrael tzaykin. You think they were annoyed before in him. People are screaming and yelling. Before this gadol almost gave us bad advice. A good thing we didn't listen to him then. Now he's doing his own thing and putting gantz klai Yisrael sakana. Quite an allegation. Now they're angry at him. Putting everybody in Sakana. If he continues doing that, Haman is so crazy, he might not only get angry at Mordechai, he'll get angry and he'll want to take vengeance on all the Klaiso. We're all going to get killed. Shamaimid Besakana Safashis is Klaiso, Mishum Chasidis, Pratis Yeserah, his own personal Midas Chasid, his own personal Chumrah. And he's putting us all in Sakana. Kimafurish by God is Esther, Amali Yisrael, Teyadea Sha'ata, Mapilenu Becherev Shalzeha Rosha. He says, Rebbe, don't you know you're putting a sword in his hand? We're going to get killed. What are you doing? It's dangerous what you're doing. He said, what do you want me to do? Bow down to him? He said, I'm not doing it. They had an agreement to disagree, but they were furious. And they were worried any day now, Haman's going to take it out and guns clay Israel. And guess what happened? Right number two, that that terror can be wrong. Their worst nightmare came true. They told Mordechai, if you don't bow down, it's going to take his anger out on everybody. And then, a short while later, they get a letter in the mail. That's undisclosed information, but enough information to get everybody good and scared. And the game should all be ready. A certain date, and we're going to do something really, really fun. So everybody knew what was going on. And they realized, they thought they realized, this is all Mordechai Hatzadik's fault. It's his fault for not bowing down. He caused the trouble. And there goes his misguided Das Terah. You can imagine, picture yourself there. This is, these are the from Balabatim already. This is not, these are the people who had a Shaykh as a Mordechai. So he came into Shul, and he kept darshaning, I shouldn't have gone to the party. And that raised a foregone conclusion he was wrong. And now, uh, after Shul, the Balabatim are asking him, uh, we'd like, just like to ask the Rav, well, why are you putting everybody in Sakana? He said, I feel it's the right thing to do. And they all held he was wrong. And this is uh, thousands of people talking. 
Had we been there, which side would we have been on? Ask anybody who has eyes in his head, standing there in the twelfth year of Achashverosh's reign. What caused the Gzeira on the Eden? Choice number one, the fact that he was makele with their safety and makmer, his own personal chumrah, is that what caused it? Which was everybody's opinion. Unbelievable. When they asked Mordechai, why is he doing this? Doesn't he see he's wrong? Now there's a Gezeris. You know what Mordechai told him? He said, no, 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 no. This Gezeris is not for what I did yesterday. This Gezeris is for what you did nine years ago. They said, what? We held it was wrong then. We proved it was wrong. The fact that we have a tremendous lobby and we have a, a tremendous clout in Washington now because he went to that party and he loves us. That's a foregone conclusion. Then nine years later, we forgot about the whole incident already. Now he puts everybody in Sarkana. We warn him, there's going to be a Gezeris. There's going to be no good. Don't do this. Don't be such a machmer. And Taka the Gezeris comes out. And now we go and says, see what you're doing. And he tells us, there's nothing to do with what I did yesterday. It's what you did nine years ago. And they don't understand. Mamish don't understand. Where in the world is he coming from? They don't understand what's going on. Adessa continues. Ma, Garmel, Gezeris. What would we say? Is it Mordechai or is it them? The Vadai Hayinu Aimrim Shanira Bachush that we see absolutely clear. I hold this is the most phenomenal example of Al Yaminshu small because if you look at the facts on the ground, there's nothing to talk about. Mordechai is dead wrong. And soon everybody's going to be dead because Mordechai's mistake. There's nothing to talk about. How can you disprove this theory? And the weak, very Shvachateritz he gave that something from nine years ago. It's obvious that it's Mordechai's fault that Haman is angry. How can you argue on what the facts are and clearly in front of you? The truth is, and this is what Nahapachu is about the whole story, the truth is Mordechai is a thousand percent right and they were a thousand percent wrong. Even though the facts did not support it at that time. This is what you had to believe. Because Mordechai had closer connections to Shemaim. He knew why the Gezeri was here. It was just a facade. Sutton Sutton was giving them a picture of something very inaccurate. The Avera from nine years ago was one of the, one of the causes of the Gezeri against the Yidin. Why talk was Mordechai Machmer in this? He was Machmer. Because of Maris Ayin Avarazara, Filu Shash Rochog, even though it was far fetched. Why? He says, You will make it when you went to the party, you will make it on Stam Yenim, which is a Gzeira, because it might be Yain of Avarazara. So have to bend over backwards, we super Machmer in Avarazara. Shima Vizrayu Davarazara. Va'id, before I get this void, why Taked if Mordechai is correct, and we know he is from the Hemshech of the story, Hashem Paschal like Mordechai, that's clear from the Megillah. Why did Hashem wait nine years to punish them? So the answer is, Hashem Kerel Chapayim, have a chance to do tshuva. I think there's a deeper reason. This is all a setup to give them more ammunition in the Yitzhar to be tailored that it wasn't their fault, it was Mordechai's fault. If they get punished the next day, they'll see Mordechai is right. But they think they know better than Das Teres. Hashem said, okay, I'm going to give you a bigger sign of Das Teres. 
we're going to wait nine years, he's going to do something else that you're really going to blame him for, and he's going to claim it's really your fault, and you're going to have to really sit and think about this, and decide, do you want to be destroyed, or do you want to do tshuva? It made it much more difficult the second half of the Nisayim. Once you don't believe in Das Terror and a small item, you're going to go way, way off, and then when it comes to even very important things, like the future of Klai Israel, at this point, it's going to be very hard to see the emiss. So Mordechai, number one, took a stand on this pseudo of Avodah of Haman because he had to bend over backwards because they were make a lot in Yanim of Avodah Zarev. Number two, V'oi, D'armina Megamara, Gemara Megillah, Shatam HaGzeir HaHayah, there are two reasons for the Gzeir. One is, Shananu Misudu Shalach HaShverish. And number two, ready for this, Shteshtachavu L'Tselem B'mei Nebuchadnezzar. B'mei Nebuchadnezzar? We just went back more than nine years. I'll read to the Gemara next week, but there, there are two reasons. None of this was recent history. And that was Avarazar. Even though they only did it because they were scared, still they were deserving of a good scare by Kaj Baruchu. So Mordechai decided after Dafka be Mason Efesh on an Indian of Avarazar, because this is where they went wrong. This is why the Gzaira is here. We're still in the middle of this plot. There are two Chazals I have to show you. Mitzvah Shem will continue this next week. To order other tapes Shirim of Rabbi Varna, please call 718-338-2818 or mail request to 1171 Ocean Parkway, Apartment 4K, Brooklyn, New York, 11230 and ask for our most up-to-date brochure. Many audio Shirim are now available on CD as well. Please ask for CD pricing. Most Shirim are now on video. To request a video... For your community, please contact 718-382-6269. You may log on to our website at www.tourstream.com. That's T-O-R-A-H-S-T-R-E-A-M for a list of all the available shirim to date. To request speaking engagements from Rabbi Viner, please call Mr. Frechter at 718-377-5304. If you would like to share in the Zuchus of Harbatzas Torah by sponsoring a series of Shirim or a video showing, please call 718-382-6269.